Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O-Line Media presents Business of the Beat. Hi, I'm Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and I am a founder, brand builder, entrepreneur, and believe in the mantra, carpe diem. I created this podcast, Business of the Beat, through my own experience as a beauty executive to talk about, tell stories, and highlight the business of beauty through conversations with beauty and wellness entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, helping to diversify the industry. This week on Business of the Beat. I don't understand the bragging rights of working so hard and receiving so little in return or the output not matching what you're receiving back. And that to me is just, it doesn't make sense. And I don't know why we constrain ourselves in that way. I'm your host, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson, and welcome to Business of the Beat. Today's guest is Kimberly Smith, founder of Marjorie Beauty. But before we get started, don't forget to follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we'd love to hear from you. Kimberly Smith is an attorney and the founder of Marjani Beauty, an independent beauty retailer based in Washington, D.C., boasting the largest assortment of exclusively black and brown owned beauty brands in skincare, hair care and makeup. Marjani is a trusted voice in elevating the buying experience for multicultural women and is a recognized platform for inclusive beauty. Kim, welcome to Business of the Beat. It is such an honor to have you. I'm so excited for our conversation today. Good. I am so excited to chat with you. All things beauty. I can't wait to get into it. I know. And I love all things beauty. As we were getting started, I was like putting my moisturizer on so I could be glowy and dewy. Um, So I can't wait to talk about what you're building. But before we get started... We have this rapid fire segment that we like to kick off the show with. And your rapid fire segment is called Kim Possible. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) All right. So fill in the blanks. In college, my friends used to tease me about blank because they thought it was impossible, but I was Kim Possible. Oh, so I never did all-nighters, but I always got A's in, in classes, like an all-night exam. But I was never the one pulling the all-nighter, like we're going to have coffee. No, 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 no. I had a strict bedtime, and I adhered to that bedtime, unless we're going to a party, but I adhered to that bedtime very strictly. I was not doing all-nighters. I still did that. <laughs> I love that. It's funny. I was talking to someone and they were like, um, there's a, a non-named person, but 
who brags about being able to stay awake for four days and still get their work done. And I was like, that's not a bragging right. No one should be staying up for four days and then professing to other women that that's how you get it done. So I love this. No all-nighters, protect our sleep, protect our minds. Yes. <laughs> okay. While I was opening Marjani Beauty, I had the hardest time blank and thought it was impossible until I did it. That is a good one. Um, I had the hardest time in the beginning trying to convince people that targeting a specific demographic would work. And it was a good idea. And not only targeting that demographic for consumers, but also for vendors, for business partners as well. So keeping it within that demographic, that was one of the challenges. And I kept getting met with, well, why don't you do this? Why don't you add this? And I was very, I was adamant about, no, I know who my audience is. And I was, if, it, if I couldn't do that, I was not going to do the business. Oh, Kim, I cannot wait to unpack that because you have stayed true to that. And I see it through your products, your vision, your messaging. So, okay, that's a great one to unpack. And then the last one, the next Kim possible thing on my list of things to do is blank. Okay. So <laughs> I often got this question when I started the business. Are you, well, are any of the products yours? I always responded, no, you know, I'm curating. Um, and that's not something I'm interested in. I don't want to do it. I don't want to develop products. Well, <laughs> tell us, tell us. in about six months, I will be launching my first product line. Um, so I've been working on it actually for almost two years. Um, so yes, so this is something that I didn't think was possible. I didn't want to do, but I'm making it possible and I'm actually excited about it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love this. You're like, but I'm making it possible. That mm -hmm. is exciting. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. I'm like putting six months in my calendar. I need to be on your teaser list. I'm excited about this. <laughs> well, okay, so you have given us so many nuggets of great things to focus on. Let's go back in time because I know now we've got products coming out. So I love this. You're a licensed attorney turned beauty entrepreneur. I always say in my next life, I'm going to be an attorney. So I am just like living vicariously through you. <laughs> listen, listen. Okay. You do it. You go for it. <laughs> you go for it. Um, and and, okay, I, I'm jokingly saying, you know, because, you know, at some point um, I will stop practicing law, but let's be real. It is me being an attorney that has helped me to get to this point. So as much as I jokingly say, oh, I can't wait until I'm no longer a practicing attorney. The reality is um, I am thankful for the career because um, it, it's pretty much helped me to bring Marjani into existence. So um, I, yeah, so I, I, I still enjoy, I'm still practicing right now. So I am still a full-time uh, practicing attorney. Well, you know what I love about that? You said, I'm thankful for it. And I think 
all of the steps of our career, every job that we've ever had um, is a journey. Like my first mm -hmm. job was at IHOP and Sonic, Sonic. And I think about like what I learned <laughs> during that mm -hmm. time that has helped me. And so I love how you give thanks for that. And so yeah. tell us like, I mean, share your background because you are your Ivy League attorney. So tell us everything. How did we get here? So yes, how did we get here? Um, you know, I was working, minding my business, <laughs> just living life. And uh, it was this particular summer. So it was twenty six, the summer of 2016. And at the time where I was working, I had kind of reached a point where it was starting to, the I'll say the environment, the environment was starting to weigh a lot on me mentally and um, and, it, it, and spiritually. I just kind of felt beat down. You know, I think, you know, as a black woman, you can be in spaces where you're the only one for so long where at some point you might just break. And however that break happens, whether it's a mental break, physical break, whatever it is, you might experience that break. And so this particular summer, I was experiencing that break. And I knew that I needed to do something, like something different, If whether it was working for someone else, starting to do something on my own, whatever it is, like 2016, that was going to be the, the summer that my life was going to change after that. So I hadn't, I didn't think it was going to be beauty. <laughs> like that, that's what still surprises me all these years later is like, I can't believe I'm running a beauty business because in my mind, I thought if I were to do anything, I was going to do, you know, maybe have a consulting business or maybe start my own, start my own law firm, do something like that. Um, but it just happened naturally. So I was working as a healthcare attorney. That is my specialty. Um, I work on the corporate side, working for health systems, hospitals, um, you know, doing contractual work, regulatory work. And so this particular summer, as I said, I was going through, um, you know, feeling just beat down at work mentally, and I was getting ready to go on vacation. I was going into, uh, you know, to just re-up on all of my beauty goodies for my vacation, um, one of which was this contour stick that I was using. So I went into the store and I went to look for this contour stick and, um, you know, asking the associate, they didn't have the, that shade in store anymore. And I thought, okay, that's weird. Um, so, you know, let's look around the store and find an alternative. Well, we looked around the store and there was no alternative for me. Um, and then the associate also told me that they would no longer carry that particular shade in the store anymore. So I thought that was weird because, hey, I'm in the DMV. I'm in DC proper. I'm a black woman. It's a lot of us around here. Why is it that a store that I'm shopping in, um, you know, why are the options so limited when it comes to color cosmetics? Because I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one shopping there. And there are women that are even darker than me that are shopping in this store. And so they didn't have this contour shade. They didn't even have a foundation that I could use as a contour. Um, so, you know, I left the store that day and I remember like walking as I was leaving the store and I thought to myself, you know, it would be really cool if we had this really cool boutique that, um, this curated all of the products for brown girls. Um, and they just took, and at the time, my idea 
wasn't necessarily to only deal with black and brown owned brands. It was, well, I'll curate and get um, all of the products, dig deep into whatever deep shades or whatever products that we actually like, buy those, and then just curate it around that. And so I went online to see if maybe something like that existed and nothing like that existed at the time. And there definitely wasn't any place, a physical store in D.C., um, and so I remember calling my mom and I said, mom, I'm thinking about, what do you think about a boutique for women of color or something? And, <laughs> and she said, you know, well, listen, whatever you want to do, I got you. Um, just let me know what, what you need from me. I got you. And so with that, it, I felt like I had the okay to go out and try to do something. Whatever this was going to grow to be, I had that okay that at the end of the day, I was still going to be good. And so I took that kind of approval from her, that yes from her, and uh, also knowing that there wasn't like that, wasn't anything like that that existed. And I didn't develop a business plan. I just kind of put something on one page, one page of like what the mission would be, um, you know, who my target audience would be, what I would want to see um, from this type of business. And so with that, I created the online store first um, and that launched in January of 2017. But I always knew that if I was going to take this seriously, that there had to be a physical component at some point. It couldn't just be an online store because the main frustrating point that I had was being able to go into a store, buy the product, talk to someone, try it, try different things. That is ultimately what I wanted to solve and what I wanted to create. Um, so that first year of the online store, I did pop-ups around the country and you know we, we called it the perfect match tour. And we went on tour, did these pop-ups and we did foundation matching and and that really helped me to see that on the ground level it wasn't just me that other consumers wanted to see this and they were excited to not only shop but to be in a safe space to be in community with each other um all just over beauty. Um, and so that's really how it kind of started to grow slowly and organically. And when I launched in, tw in 2017 in January, I had 12 brands, okay? 12 brands at the time. And these were brands that I literally just kind of reached out to and said, hey, this is my idea. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to do. Would you like to be involved? <laughs> Um, and fast forward now, you know, we're at about, I think like 70 brands now. Kim, I love this. I, I especially love this notion of, um, you got the okay from your mom and you were like, okay, I'm going to build something. I am so blessed, um, to have my mom as well. And every mm -hmm. decision I'm like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And mm -hmm. it's so encouraging because, you know, it's hard what we do. So having a close knit, whether it's your family or friends to support your vision is paramount. Yeah, that's so important because, you know, as I alluded to earlier, you know, a lot of, you know, individuals telling me, well, no, that's not a good idea. 
it didn't phase me because I had my biggest supporter telling me like, hey, it's a great idea. And I did have that small support system that, again, we're pouring into this idea. So anytime someone said, oh, I don't think it's a good idea or this, whatever, you know, it didn't phase me because I already had, um, you know, that support system behind me saying like, yes, we're going to do this. We're going to persevere and, and, and do it. So that made it makes it easier when you are confronted with the naysayers and, you know, people that don't see the vision. Well, oh, and the naysayers and the haters and people that just don't understand or think, hey, you have an Ivy League job, you're an attorney, you're in this great system. Why would you want to shake that up? And that's what Mm -hmm. we've heard from entrepreneurs, especially Black entrepreneurs, that there is this kind of like, legacy of doing hard work and not venturing out because we're so happy to have this position that we have. Yeah. We need to free ourselves of that. (laughs) You know, like it's, it's, I don't understand the bragging rights of working so hard and receiving so little in return or the output not matching what you're receiving back. And that to me is just, it doesn't make sense. And I don't know why we constrain ourselves in that way. Um, and I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy now that we are, you know, we are venturing out where we're doing different things. And just because, you know, you have a medical degree or a law degree doesn't mean that you have to only do X. Like you can still do so much with your degrees or not even use it if you don't want to, like it, because I, for me, I always felt that my law degree, it opened doors that may not have been open without it. And it didn't mean that I had to be in a courtroom practicing law for those doors to be open, but just the, the sheer fact of going to school, getting that education, having a certain expertise just allows me to do certain things and being able to use that to then venture into other areas, um, I think is, 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 is cool one. Um, but I think it's something that we should all take advantage of, of just not being so linear when it comes to certain degrees or certain career paths. So just being open to whatever your interests or talents or skills take you. Well, and, and it is so true. And I think now, nowadays we have so many opportunities, you know, like mm-hmm. the fact that you said, I see a need, there's a problem that I want to solve. And from 2016 to January of 2017, actualizing that vision and opportunity. So when you think about it and you said you, you launched with 12 brands, what was that transition though? Because we have a lot of founders that are trying to figure out how to start. And 12 brands for a concept that didn't exist back in 2017. I mean, we are talking about 2017. When you mm-hmm. think about how far we've come, what was that process? Did you, and you were an attorney, so you could use mm-hmm. some of that, but you still had to build a retail shop. You still had to ask the brands. You still had to figure out inventory. What was that educational journey and path like for you? Listen, it was like I was in kindergarten, okay? <laughs> because... You know, I, you know, I had a retail job when I was a teenager, but I didn't understand the business of retail um, at all. Fortunately enough, I did have, you know, one of my close friends uh, works for um, a beauty store and she gave me, you know, a lot of insight in the beginning of things that, you know, 
things I should look for, things I should plan for. But of course, at that time, because when you don't know something, anytime someone might be advising you, it's still foreign. It's like she still was speaking Spanish to me and I was speaking English. Um, But it's like now when I look back on different things that she said to me and how she's advised me, I'm like, oh, okay, everything starts to make sense over time. So it literally was on the job training. You know, luckily I started with the online store first. I'm glad I didn't try to start with a store first because I that just would have been so challenging. But starting with the online store, um, it, it just allowed me to be able to grow in that way. And so like I said, I have 12 brands. I found those 12 brands by at the time, um, there was a um a trade show that I went to. And I remember this trade show. I re- I remember thinking like, okay, wait a minute. I need to find all of the Black-owned brands. Like I need to find like all of those. And I think at the time there were only maybe seven. And this is out of a group. It was over a hundred or something, maybe like a hundred or 200 brands collectively. But I just made a beeline to the Black and Brown owned tables only. And so out of the brands that day that I remember speaking with, and so speaking in person is sometimes really, it's easier to kind of convey a message of like, listen, like like I said, because I didn't have a business plan. I didn't have an, an established, at that point, the website wasn't live or anything, but I presented what that mission was going to be. It was as if like I was the website at that moment and trying to share what my goals were and what I was going to do with this website. And it was kind of building that relationship and like building that relationship. It was like, okay, you know what? I'm into this, like, let's do it. And so most of the brands that I did launch with, I met at this particular trade show. Um, and then the other, which this is, um, I, I love this story. So one of the first cosmetic brands I had was AJ Crimson. Um, and so I was in LA, um, in Jan- in January, right? Like this is literally like a month before I launched. I was in January. Uh, I was in LA and, um, and this is when he had his atelier. And so I went into the store, not knowing he was going to be there, um, you know, working, but I went into the store, looked around the store, looked at the makeup. And I started talking to him about my idea of like, listen, I'm going to launch this website. And he was just gung ho. Like he was really excited about it. So that was literally like me launching with those 12 brands. It was 12 brands that I was able to connect with in some way. Um, so they believed in what I was planning to do. Um, and so like, that's how I did it. And then just launched the website and I hired a publicist at the time. And there's always debate on, you know, who or what, do you spend your money on in the beginning of a business? And it really, it just kind of depends on what the business is, who you're trying to target, um, you know, where you're trying to be, like all those different things. And so for me, I thought with a website like this, one, it was a website, so it could get buried into the ether of the internet. Um, And then two, I wanted it to have more of an impact than just me just doing it and trying to kind of just organically grow it. 
And I look back on it and it was the best idea to, to hire this publicist because within that year, I was able to get a lot of you know press and features that legitimized what I was trying to do. So even though within that first year, I still didn't have a business plan to the end of the year, I still was actively working on this business, meeting people in real time, talking about like what this was going to be, literally speaking it into existence that whole year. But the press hits helped that because it was something that, and I still say to this day, it's still, it was something that was really bigger than me. It was just something that was going to be about the community and like people that were learning about it, helping it to grow into something bigger. I, it's so deep what you just said. Um, I literally like, I have chills because there is so much to be said about the role of PR. When do you hire PR? How does it support you? And to your point, there's been good and bad. What mm -hmm. I still connect with you on is that last October, I launched Brain Trust Founders Studio, and it was really focused, and it is focused on supporting Black people. there was a lot of PR around it. And I went mm -hmm. that route because I, I actually went to school for PR, like he was an attorney. I was like, I went to school for PR, but I knew that it was so much greater than me. And I love what you mm -hmm. said, like it was about the community. And I knew that as we were flying the plane and building the plane and like everything that we've been able to do this first year, it was on the heels of getting that press and that attention and that buzz because me going person by person can only do so much. And I feel the same way that you felt like it was, it was one of the best things that we did because the work is so good that we're trying to do for founders and being able to, you said, literally speak it into existence. I'm like, yes, I feel the same way. Like we did it. And I, and I said to the team, I said, now we're going to slow down the PR, the, the PR had a moment get us mm -hmm. going, build the community. It's bigger than us. Let's get excited. And then we slow down and then we come back as new things start to evolve. So I just, I was just, I felt so connected in how you put that together. And outside mm -hmm. of the PR and the publicist, what were some of the first hires that you needed? Because you did have an online retailer and you had brands and you had transactions and orders. Right. And so I was doing all of this myself, uh, you know, so I was, strategically hiring certain contractors to help, you know, the areas in which, you know, I had to learn obviously the whole entire business, but then, you know, there were certain areas that I knew I couldn't do. So obviously I could not be my own publicist, one. Um, two, brand, like building the brands, the brand story, the brand voice and messaging. That was something that I knew I couldn't do myself. Like I knew, you know, what I wanted to say, but I knew that I, it couldn't be Kimberly, like it, it, it needed, Marjani had to have, have, she needed to have her own voice. And so that was one of the things that I did invest in. So I hired someone and we worked together for, I think like the first year and a half, maybe I worked with her on different um, projects as we built out the Marjani story. Um, and so, yeah, so I hired that individual and then um, a lot of the website, I did that myself um, for like forever. Um, fulfilling the orders that stayed in the house with myself and my family. Like, you know, when we were, when I first started, 
there was a room designated in my mom's house and that was the fulfillment center. Okay. And so when, when I was working, she was fulfilling most of the orders. Um, so it, so when I say, you know, kind of like hiring is interesting because I honestly did not hire a real employee until this year, up until this year it's been about having different contractors, different, um, different consultants working with me. Um, but you also know that when you're doing that, it's great because you have the expertise for a finite time. But the downside to that is you, when you start to see that, okay, this is something that I want to scale and grow bigger, you need continuity and you need consistency. And so now going into, this is a year three of the physical store is like, okay, so how can we now start to get people on the team where it's actually consistent? So it's consistent people that are growing with the business now. And it's not me doing everything myself and trying to manage all these different contractors and consultants, um, pretty much trying to project manage. Um, so that has been an evolution really for me. Um, and now just trying to people manage is, I mean, that's a whole other challenge now um, in, in retail and the challenges of retail and keeping people and um, that for sure has been a challenge this year. And just, again, learning. I'm learning as I'm doing um, as much advice as I get. There's nothing, <laughs> nothing replaces like actual um, on the job training. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been happening that way in an organic way of trying to figure out, you know, what do I need now? And that is a constant question. What do I need now? And how valuable is my time as a founder, CEO, visionary mm -hmm. against the team that I build around me? And, you know, I truly believe in being able to have consultants and what I call a brain trust come in with areas of expertise, but then you do evolve to a place where there is that consistency mm -hmm. and you talk about, you know, it's your three of the physical store. So mm -hmm. let's talk about this journey into brick and mortar, which was always the vision. Yes. You know, it's interesting because according to the beauty supply Institute of the 50 billion bought in by the beauty supply market in 2020, only 3% of that market was owned by black people specifically. So it's crazy it? when you think about Marjani, tell us what was that journey? First of all, like that is just completely, completely maddening to me. You know, when you think about how much we spend on beauty, which is what close to $7 billion annually on beauty products. And yet, you know, we are not, for the most part, we aren't the owners um, and a lot of where we go to shop, one. And then two, when we do go to shop, we're occupying less than 10% of the shelf space. So it's it's kind of hitting us in on all points, you know, from the consumer perspective, from the business owner perspective. Um, and it, it just still boggles my mind. And like as much, we've come a long way. Um, I would say even since I started, in 2017, but even in 2022, I still think that there's just so much to be done. And what I like about what I am doing is that when we think about beauty and we think about beauty supply, it, it, it's always been um, this 
one like this this one note of you go to, to a beauty supply and you're getting you know um, it, it's more of a transactional experience right so you're going there you need a brush you need bobby pins you you might need some extensions you need you need um, some hair gel so you're going there for specific things and these are um, and we, these are items that as black women we need but then there's also something missing too so. When I thought about Marjani, I knew that I wanted it to explore the other areas of beauty, which we love and we spend our money on. And that is the makeup, the, you know, cosmetics. It's the skincare um, and being able to go into a place because those partic- those categories aren't as transactional because we are constantly trying it and we want to try it. We see a color on on online and it's this red shade. You get into the store, it, it's orange. Like we want to see and try things in person. We want to feel things. You know, we have questions about our skin and, and, and what's going to, um, you know, make our melanin like really pop. And like, and we say that so casually, but seriously, like we want our melanin to pop and look beautiful. And like what products do we use for that to happen? And oftentimes when we're going into those stores that are not beauty supply, that are, I guess, specialty retailers, they're, for the most part, they're not checking for us specifically. Like they're not targeting us when they're buying into certain brands, into certain skews deep down into what brands are offering. They're not checking to make sure like, hmm, so if Kimberly comes in there and she's looking for a dark spot serum, does she have options? Because maybe this particular brand, it might be an ingredient that she can't use. Do you have another option for Kimberly? And that to me is something that I wanted to speak to. And so like that has been the evolution of Marjani. Like I started initially, I guess, focusing on cosmetics because that was, you know, something that was not being addressed, but then skincare quickly came after that. So when you come into Marjani, it's about being able to get the variety, being able to come in, talk to someone about your issues, being able to just like lay your insecurities down and be comfortable, feel safe, and then walk out feeling confident. And that to me is like, I sometimes get emotional when I think about that because we have customers that come in and we also do makeup too, but we started to do these makeup lessons where women are coming in and they just want to learn how to do their makeup and not even just for like something fancy, but just literally just how to do simple techniques that highlight certain features. And then when they walk out and get in the feedback of how confident they feel after that, it's like that, like, that's it. That is what, I wanted this to be like, that's why I, I, I created for that, for that moment, for that feeling, for you to go somewhere and just feel like this, this is where I belong and I feel seen. Um, and it takes it beyond just, it, it, it is experiential retail. Yeah, it really is. And I, I love how you said that. I mean, your beauty bar offers skincare, makeup services, bridal services. And I I love this quote um, that I read that really summarizes what you're saying. You said, there are no rules in beauty. It is about how you want to present yourself. If you are confident enough, you can wear anything. 
And even just thinking about that quote and how you so thoroughly talk about the emotional aspect of confidence, you know, even how you started your own story with going mm -hmm. in and not having it and now being able to cater to us. And that's something that I know you've continued to talk about. So mm -hmm. when you think about, you know, being built for black and brown people specifically, do you see the the retail store expanding kind of beyond that as your target demographic? Because I do believe that there has to be space um, for communities <laughs> and certain people. Um, but I also know looking at the curation of the brands that you put together, I mean, it's phenomenal. And some of those brands do extend beyond like a Kim Roxy, you know, Lamic, that extend beyond color. So how do you balance that? Yes. And so it's interesting because Kim Roxy was one of those brands. I met her in that January of 2017. And so um, we connected way, way back. And it was so it's so funny, like when she launched, um, when she did an amazing pivot um, to her, um, her now like eyebrow products and all of that. It was like, listen, needles products in the store. <laughs> But it's, it's funny how things like come full circle. Because I remember t when, when we met talking about like what we were planning to do and all that stuff. But so what I see, one, I want to expand Marjani beyond D.C. And I get this question of because, you know, where the store is located in D.C., it's in a business district. And so this is it's not in a certain neighborhood. It's in the business district where we frequent for work for play. So whether we're doing brunch or bars. Um, so the traffic walking by is diverse traffic. And, and I'm, and I know I say this, um, a lot of the brand owners say this as well, that yes, I make these brands with melanin in mind, but they're suited for all. And that can be said for a lot of these products, you know, a red lipstick I'm not going to say a red lipstick is a red lipstick is a red lipstick because we know that not all red lipsticks <laughs> might you know look good. It depends on like the undertones and all that kind of stuff. But a red lipstick that I have in there, or a shade of shades of red, shades of nude, all of those um, colors and products can be used for women generally, and so non-black and brown people can shop in the store. The question is which you know, it's very interesting is, do they feel comfortable shopping in this store? I can't tell you how many times there are, you know, women that, that will walk by, will walk into the store and they will ask, what is this? It's very clear that it's a beauty store, right? When you walk in, you, you literally see makeup, okay? But it's something to be said that they can clearly feel that there's something different. Which, you know what? I'm not mad at that. Because when you walk in, you do see images of us, you know, like from the books that are on the coffee table, the books on the shelves, you know, the the merchandising, the photos, they're all they're all brown women. <laughs> so um, I feel that like when when we go into those spaces, we're used to seeing white faces and we still patronize stores. Right. So I feel that even if you see a lot of brown faces, that should not be a deterrent for you to feel that you can't also shop in this space. Um, so, and, and and I won't say that we don't have any non-black customers because we do. There are some customers that walk by and if they're looking for curly hair products, they'll come in. 
buy some products or they're looking for some lipsticks, they will come in. Um, but I always find it interesting when someone comes in and, and it's almost like it's too brown in here, um, which I'm like, well, that's great. Because if you come into the store, you are going to immediately feel that energy. And that to me, like, you know, you are the target. Like how many places do we get to go into where we immediately just feel safe? Like we need to carve out more spaces like that. Um, so all are welcome, but I will never change anything so that someone else feels more comfortable. I'm always going to keep it, um, catered to celebrating brown skin and for the allies that, um, support that and, um, can see the beauty in that, but can also still understand that they're still welcome, then, those those are the customers. Wow. I mean, girl, you just broke through a whole lot there because <laughs> it is it is so true. And it's the reverse of we've been so conditioned that that's the norm to walk in and not see ourselves mm-hmm. that we're, you know, whenever we get to, it's a beautiful thing. And that's how it should be. And so it is okay for someone else who hasn't had that experience to have that experience, but also know that they're welcome. Yeah. And how they internalize that is really on them because mm-hmm. you are celebrating us, but you're celebrating everyone. And people yeah. should feel safe because it is about what do you need to feel confident and to support your own beauty versus how do you look on the outside? And so that was just, that was super powerful. Um, um, I do want to touch on one thing as we wrap up. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of questions about going from online to brick and mortar and funding. Right. Because it is a different overhaul. You have rent, you have space, you have enter all these different things. How did you um, go into that from a financial perspective? So opening the stores initially, um, it was an idea between myself and my former business partner to find a space that we could share together and that we will operate our both of our businesses um, out of this shared space. And so we did that for about two years, maybe. And that helped to have Marjani grow in that physical space because everything wasn't just on me. I was able to share in the rent, share in the utilities, share in the responsibility of having that space. And both of us, um, you know, we were bootstrapping. So we were both professionals and um, using what I like to say, you know, like my retirement is, is Marjani. So I'm literally investing in myself. <laughs> so like, it's like people are thinking like plan BC. I'm like, no, this has to work because, you know, my older self is, is banking on, on this working. Um, but yeah, but we were, you know, we came together, we pulled our resources um, to basically make it happen, to find this space, to outfit the space, um, and to like kind of co-share it. Now, the partnership unfortunately didn't work. And so as of December, um, I've been in the space by myself. And so it's, I will tell you, like the the journey has been very interesting. Okay. So from, you know, starting online to, um, you know, to open in this brick and mortar space, to having a business partner in that space, to not no longer having a business partner, all the while going through a whole global pandemic, having the store closed for almost a year, 
Um, it's been challenging in that way, but I think with a store, you have to be creative. And so one of the things that um, I even thought about this, you know, when looking for a space and what it should look like. And I always, I continue to say that community piece over and over again, because it it surfaces in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways in which you're able to see it is that, yes, you can come in, we have, a, you know, there's like a little living room area where you can come, you can hang out, but that space was meant for people to actually enjoy it. So I open up the space to other small businesses, allow them to do, you know, pop-ups to launch their brands, launch their services, um, in addition to whatever events that we hold, um, but finding different ways to bring revenue in outside of just it being you come into the store, you buy a product, but like, how can we use this space um, and kind of flip it where, you know, we're using it, we're opening it up um, so that can bring in revenue as well. So I think, you know, for anyone that has a brick and mortar space and, or thinking about it, you have to be creative and not just, again, it's all, it's always about like not being linear, but like thinking of, how you can partner with other businesses to help that space. Because space, you know, physical retail, physical spaces, as much as, you know, sometimes you, I think it was like a year ago or two years ago, like there were articles going around that, you know, they were saying that retail, in-store retail was dead or something. And it's not because, you know, and we saw this during COVID that people, they want to commune, they want to get out, they want to, you know, there's certain things that you want to go in and physically touch as much as we still, you know, shop online. Like I'm a huge online shopper, but there's just certain things that are still reserved for that in-store experience. So it's really trying to figure out how to be nimble in that and create things where people still want to come out um, and not just shop online. So it's, it's a, it's a moving thing, you know? It really is. It's, moving, it's living. And we know that experiential retail, which is what you're building, it really is the future. And I just, Mm -hmm. this notion of community and not being linear, you know, as entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. we always have to navigate. And so I appreciate that. It's always, it's like, how are we going to make this happen today? Um, And as we start to close out, you know, you've talked about community so much. You've given Um, shelf space, online space. Thank you so much for having me, Kendra. For so many brands. You said you're at 70 now, which is phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to put you on the spot, but we always ask our guests, like, what's one product brand that you're excited about? It can be in Marjani. It can be outside of. I know you love all your babies, um, Mm -hmm. but you are just a wealth of community information. So share with us what you think. So... um... This is a great question because, um, you know, I've been able to see like a lot of for, you know, a couple of brands being their first retailer and being a part of their growth has been to me. I, I mean, I think it, it's, it's a blessing. It, it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing to be, you know, small business owners and to to grow, to literally be growing at the same time. But for me, I'm in a position where I. I almost felt like I put my customers on, right? Like, and that was something like, I remember when we were doing like the brand story and I was working um, with the uh, with, with the individual to help me with well, all the brands. And they were talking about like, yeah, like we want Marjani, we want the customer to know that we put you on to something new. 
And that has always been the coolest thing. It's like discovering something that no one quite knows about yet. And um, and literally seeing, you know, it grow from, you know, being just on the Marjani shelf to being in other retailers across the country. And so some of my favorites, which I swear by, I will have to say, so Glamazon Cosmetics, Glamazon Cosmetics, um, I think she came into the store maybe like two or three years ago, but she had this foundation stick. And I swear, like, I absolutely love, love, love this foundation stick. It's called Second Skin. Her name is Kim too. And when I tell you, like, Kim, like, she did that with that foundation stick. And it's amazing to see where she is right now because now she is, you know, selling her products on, um, I forget which home shopping channel she's on now, but like that foundation stick is, is amazing. Like I, I love it. Um, and another, like on the cosmetic end is Danessa Myricks. So anything she puts out, I'm like, yes, please more, more, more give us give us what we need okay um so she's all about making the skin glow and there's all different types of balms and and oils and all the different things and so like that that definitely like those are like the go-to for me when it comes to like cosmetics and um i would say on the skin side I just started using this niacinamide dark spot corrector by Ustawi. They have that and they also have a vitamin C serum. So I use the vitamin C serum in the morning and a dark spot corrector at night. Oh my goodness. Like I am loving, loving, loving that. Um, And that's what I serve by. Vitamin C, you know, I am trying to keep the blemishes and everything at bay. I want the complexion to be nice and and bright. And um, so, yes, swear by those products. And of course, sunscreen. Yeah. Making sure we use sunscreen. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. I saw Black Girl Sunscreen as well. And I'm a huge fan. It's all we use in this house. But these are such amazing brands. Like, thank you. And I'm so excited. Vitamin C is like its own category now. So it is wild. I was like, you need it every day. Um, And and again, as I was mentioning, like variety, right? It's not just having like one type of of vitamin C serum for us, right? Going into the store, and I think right now we have about four, about four or five different types. Um, But like that, yeah, like, okay, I should not get this excited about vitamin C, but... Um, but yeah, it's just like, I just think about like all the amazing and even the brands now that I don't carry in the store that like I'm eyeing right now that I want to get into the store. Like right now, like we are making some amazing, amazing products. Okay. Um, something to really, really be excited about. Um, and I'm, I'm just loving it. Well, I am so excited for to check these out, but for also your brand in six months. So we will have you back when you launch so we can get into the goodies of that. I'm so excited. Yes. I'm so excited as well. It's, it's a targeted 
body care line. And I specifically chose body care because listening to customers and like what they're looking for, it was like, oh, I have these blemishes on my back or I have acne on my back or, um, you know, my skin is dry. This cleanser is too drying. And so listening to, you know, to the customers, it was like, oh, okay, I know what I'm going to do. Bam. So I love that. That is the lead in for our next episode with you. I cannot wait. Um, and Kim, this has just been phenomenal. Congratulations. Um, Marjani is beautiful and so excited to have you on the show and to share your journey. And we will have you back in six months. <laughs> Kendra, I really appreciate it. When I got the invitation in my inbox, I was like, yes, yes, and yes. So I please understand how appreciative I am of you having me on your platform. I look forward to speaking with you again. Um, and yes, like you're doing amazing things. And I just like, I, I love the connection and I just hope to be able to, you know, continue just to, you know, get to know you and work with you even further. So congratulations on everything you're doing and thank you for having me. And every week I share an influencer I'm checking out and thank you, Kimberly. This week, we're checking out Glamazon Beauty Cosmetics by Kim Baker. So make sure to follow at Makeup by Kim Baker and her brand at Glamazon Beauty Cosmetics. And as always, I want to leave you with one thing from today's guest. And that is, in the summer of 2016, Kim claimed that her life was going to change. And she did it. So how are you thinking about a moment in your life where everything is going to change and where you can see the future? So for Kim, it was 2016, that summer of change. What is it for you? And with that, follow, rate, and subscribe to Business of the Beat on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You don't want to miss an episode, and we love to hear from you. Leave a five-star rating and a review. Until next week. Business of the Beat is hosted by Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Assistant producer, Jenny Salk. Executive producer, Kendra Bracken-Ferguson. Edited by Fishmar Creative. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Business of the Beat podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast, And on IG at Business of the Beat. Business of the Beat is a mean old line media production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.